This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast Thanksgiving Edition. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew. Dude is about to put on 15 pounds, Betts. <laughs> Sweatpants season, baby. Yeah, if you're showing up to your Thanksgiving uh, feast, your holiday, with a belt and anything that has a zipper, you're doing it wrong, okay? It is sweatpants season. We're here to not only fill our bellies with some delicious food, which I love Thanksgiving food, uh, but also with some money because there is money to be made on DFS. There's nothing better than sitting there you know, with your friends, your family, you're watching football. At the same time, you don't really want to tell everyone that you're around like, hey, I have this much money on this or, or, you know, I need this guy to hit three more yards or whatever it is. But it's the best sweat that there is. So you get the meat sweats, you get the DFS sweats. Thanksgiving, what a holiday. I'm excited to break it down. Is there anything better than leaning over to your grandmother and just whispering in her ear, Khalif Raymond in a GPP? <laughs> and she goes, huh? <laughs> What'd you say? She's Khalif like, Raymond goes out, you know, four for like... 80 and a touchdown and you're just the happiest man the entire day at your thanksgiving holiday there's nothing better and she's like i played dj chalk you know i, I was going for <laughs> dj chalk and uh you went with cleef raymond yes we're gonna get to talk about those lions gonna get to talk about three games just on this thanksgiving slate we are glad you're with us we're gonna be talking about how to stack those games the salary standouts even a couple of props we like on thanksgiving it is a different week for bets and i um, but right now we're rolling back OG days. I'm remote. I'm in the uh, mountains of North Carolina right now recording. And I mean, is anything better than you staring at me and I'm not in studio? 
this is yeah this is bringing me back to uh i guess 2020 vibes for sure we were also remote a little bit at the start of last year and then you moved to arizona but yeah this is bringing me back and the og listeners man they know they we had some of our best calls when there we were on this setup both of us remote no distractions you know from brooks and jeremy and those clowns in the office so we're here we mean business uh we're ready to go yes i i noticed that back in the day my voice sounded different on this podcast and it's kind of like the joke around fantasy football industry is when you're introducing a podcast, you have this hype music and then somebody comes in with just this low voice of thank you for coming <laughs> to our podcast for football. But I'm hyped now. I, this is this is the version you're getting of Bets and I. And I want to start us off with a quick question. I could have gone super Thanksgiving theme, but you're going to get a ton of that, especially on the Megalodon show. We have our Turkey Day Awards. But I wanted to talk about theory of the Thanksgiving slate. This is a quick question that comes from our Discord channel from the Lab Coat Goat. Lab Coat Goat. He asks, how do you alter your process for the Thanksgiving slate in terms of player pool and chalk? Is pretty much everyone in play? How do you get different? And when we're saying getting different, know that every single person is going to be on certain plays. Like everyone knows, and we'll talk about it, who Lawrence Cager is and why he's the punt play this week. Um, you're not sneaking it by anybody, but what's your process of getting different strategy wise? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that you've, you just consider is the most obvious is yes, it's a smaller slate. There's three games, which means there's six teams, hashtag math, um, as opposed to 12 or 13 games on a main slate where you just have a ton of opportunities to find players that are 8%, 5% rostered, uh, that basically doesn't exist on this slate. And so a quote unquote, low rostered player might be like 15% this week or 20% this week. So we see the roster percentages get really elevated, especially around the, the best plays, you know, um, looking at kind of the pricing and stuff like Amon Ra, Josh Allen, uh, those sort of guys, like they're going to be up at 50%, 60% in tournaments. And you just have to shift kind of how you think about that. We'll have the full roster percentage up, by the way, in the DFS pass um, on Wednesday for the three-game three slate. So we'll check that out. But then outside of that, when you're thinking about you know, game theory and this sort of small slate. I personally throw a lot of my rules out the window when it comes to uh, optimal lineup setting, correlation, those sort of things. So like on a main slate, I'm never really considering playing, I mean, hardly ever one, but especially not two players against my defense. We only have a certain number of players. So like you kind of have to play guys against your defense that you're playing. It's not normal. It's not optimal. One thing to consider. The other thing is, you know, we don't love two tight end builds. We don't love two running backs from the same game. But again, those rules are kind of out the window. And I think if you're using an optimizer this week and you're setting really constrict rules, you're going to take yourself out of having exposure to lineups that truly do have a chance to compete on this slate. So in general, smaller slate, less rules. Um, and then as well, I think for me personally, when I was looking at these, I wrote up the pace of play and the DFS pass. Like we kind of feel like we have to get exposure to every single game because there's three. You want to watch all of them. You want to be invested in all of them. But it's okay, I think, on this on this slate to take a stance and just say, hey, this game is not going to get there. All these guys fail. And so you can really just kind of condense around the best game stacks instead of trying to get exposure to all three is, is what I'm leaning towards early in the week. Yeah, and based on the setup of these games, you have Buffalo at Detroit in the early window. You have the Giants at Cowboys in that 430 game that we always have. And then New England at Minnesota at night. I think the early lean is for people to fade that final game, you know, maybe get one piece or correlate, you know, two pieces and that's it. I think it's, 
a challenge because we're so used to playing a main slate or just a showdown slate. Those are those are the only two. So normally you go back and forth, and this is kind of in a middle. It's a sweet spot where you have to combine both ideas of game theory and player pool analysis. And I think at the end of the day, we have to redefine what is a good game for somebody because often I will say phrases like, oh, this player didn't 3X. So, you know, they're not good enough to win a GPP. Here, it's all about roster construction. And if somebody's paying up for this position, they're likely going to have this player. So, you know, for instance, let's say somebody's playing Stefan Diggs and Amon Ra in that game. You can kind of slowly winnow down like, okay, who are the other wide receivers that they are going to play in these other games? And so it, it comes down for me seeing where the field is going to go, like on punt plays, like, I, right now, I'm seeing two punt plays on the Giants that are going. I think going to be fairly popular. Isaiah Hodgins or Lawrence Cager are going to be cheap. Richie James will be cheap. And just thinking when you're looking at certain games, like this is what people want to do, and then just redefining, like, okay, well, what if I just get an okay game from somebody at the same price point? Like, I don't need somebody to just have two touchdowns, but if they go six for sixty and they're thirty six hundred. That's awesome. Like that's an awesome game for me in a smaller slate. So it's redefining what's good. It's looking at these games differently. And we'll talk about all of them from a stacking perspective. But on the website, you and I went to town on a Tuesday. And I love one of our Discord members recognized this. I was I was pretty happy that they looked at our schedule and they said, I can always count on Borg and Betts to jam two whole weeks worth of work into one for us. That's what it feels like, honestly, because, yeah, we, you know, this week we're early in the week focused so much on this slate and then as well, the Megalodon show, which my goodness, and then we have this little hiatus for Thursday and then it's all of a sudden back to main slate for the for Friday. So it almost feels like two weeks in one, but also there's two separate weeks to the week. So we'll try to get through it. We'll try to stay as concise as we can with good information. But yeah, man, this Thanksgiving week is going to be wild, but I am here for it. Yes, so our schedule will be slightly adjusted. The Friday podcast might come out a, like an hour or two later, but that's just from us getting to recover. And honestly, I, it's easy to give all of our attention to the Thanksgiving slate. And I would encourage you, like, don't look at the main slate right this second. Like, look just at the three-game slate. Have fun with your family. Don't stress out about the, the main slate. And we'll get you prepared on Friday for that. But if you want our picks, if you want all of our Thanksgiving GPP and cash picks, they are in the DFS Pass. Use the promo code DFSPOD if you want to be a part of a, a cool group and you want to you want to win some money. So let's talk about our cash plays. Straight cash, homie. And I want to stress, when I say cash plays, it's simply because I didn't have the salary standouts drop in front of me. I want us to mostly focus on here are the best points per dollar plays. Here are our highest projected plays based on salary. And then when we go through the games, you and I will mix in our GPP plays. But with only six teams, it really condenses who the best plays are. And at quarterback, I have two listed and one that I, I would like to point out that I love for GPPs. And I think you could do it in cash, but it really only comes down to, are you playing Josh Allen or Dak, right? Yeah, I mean, to me, there's no way I'm playing Cassius on this slate without Josh Allen. He's the first name I put in, and there's no question about it, in my opinion, based off the matchup, uh, the game script pro projection is from a, a standpoint of not just they'll get ahead, but they'll keep throwing when they're ahead. You know, pass rate of expectation for this team is through the roof. 
and he has tons of weapons at his disposal to get the job done. Whereas for me, I get the savings for Dak in cash, but the issue is they really haven't been as pass happy as they have been in seasons past with Dak under center. They're kind of right around league average and actually in neutral situations. So when the game is close, they're only throwing at 52%. When they get up by a touchdown or more, it drops to about 40%. So they are very willing to just say, okay, Zeke, Tony Pollard, here's the ball, go ahead. You know, nine point home favorites against the Giants. You could easily talk yourself into a scenario where Dak's only attempting 23, 24, 25 passes in the game, and he's efficient and is fine. But Josh Allen has an unmatched ceiling on this slate. Of course, you're paying for it. But 31 implied team total is just insane against the Lions. So for me, no question about it. It's Josh Allen and Cash. Yeah, the Lions, you know, they shut down Saquon. They've had some better games against running backs recently, but they still rank dead last in EPA per play. Most points per game allowed. Like, we're going to pick on the Lions still. It, especially if Jeff Rakuda is out. So, uh, yeah, that's just offense that we want. And then I want to say with Dak, I'm more buying into the Cowboys offense as a whole and them to put up their team implied total at home. Over the last month, they ranked number one in points per game. So I like the Dallas offense. So if you're not playing Dak, then you want pieces from that game. And then I just want to mention Jared Goff because his home road splits are extreme and – I can't wait for us to break down that game because the Buffalo defense, I think the field has a certain assumption of who they are and what they've done in the past, but they've been really bad, like atrociously bad, especially against fantasy wide receivers over the last month. So is Goff like somebody that you're excited in tournaments, but maybe not in cash? Yeah, that's exactly how I'm feeling. I mean, that game has the highest total by a wide margin, you know, looking at uh, how these games stack up. It's been kind of fluctuating between like 54 and a half to 53 and kind of back and forth. So regardless, it's up there in the total. Um, and then these other ones, you know, the Giants and Cowboys, 44 and a half, uh, the Patriots and Vikings down at 42. You know, this game really does project to be the most likely to, to shoot out. And like you said, Jared Goff for GPPs is interesting because if you're saying like, you know, the Bills guys get there, but Josh Allen doesn't really separate. You could talk yourself into, okay, well, what if Jared Goff gets pushed and then all of a sudden it's Goff in a negative game script? And we've seen that story before. You know, look at his game logs this year. He's actually better when they lose because they are they have to abandon the run and he just throws, throws, throws. So I like Goff as a contrarian stacking, you know, candidate for GPPs. But again, no way I can really go there in cash. At running back, Saquon is the highest priced guy for good reason for projected workload. I looked back through his career. He's never beaten Dallas. He's 0-7 in his career. And he did put up a solid line in week three when they played 126 total yards and a score. Do you feel like the field, because of what he did last week, where he failed he failed me miserably as a cash option, do you feel like the field is going to be down on him as, hey, I paid up last week, it didn't work out, and they're heavy road dogs? No, I think he's still going to come in pretty highly rostered, mostly because of the slate context, right? Like when you look at running back, you know, Dalvin's a guy we can project for workload, but the matchup is brutal. We'll talk about it with the Patriots and just that overall game environment isn't great. You've got, you know, Jamal Williams and Swift splitting work. You've got Zeke and Pollard splitting work. So very quickly, it kind of dwindles the player pool and you're like, all right, I guess I'm just paying up for Barkley this week. Um, and people will look at the game log and see, you know, week three, he went off and and was great. And um, and really tell yourself a story. That said, I'm not here to say negative things about Saquon. I just think from a priority spend standpoint, for me in cash, he's not a necessity to me on the slate. 
just because I prefer Josh Allen and a couple of the wide receivers. That said, if you prefer to go Saquon route and cash, I mean, who am I to argue against a guy who's probably going to touch the ball 20 to 25 times when you look at the Giants wide receiver room, which basically exists of uh, you and me from a talent perspective right now. It's terrible. Um, and so Saquon's going to get the ball a ton. You can't argue against volume with a guy as talented as Saquon Barkley. I think this is my early thought that Saquon's going to come in third or fourth in roster percentage in tournaments because of the way that people will build their lineups. And we'll have this in the roster percentage report. So this is just me guessing ahead of time. But I'm seeing on DraftKings, Tony Pollard at 6.6, Ramondre Stevenson at 6.4 as the preferred route for people. In And mostly because they're so involved in the passing game. Like Ramondre has been getting six targets a game. Pollard just went for over 100 I think that's where people are going to go. Now, on FanDuel, it's a completely different conversation with Pollard. They priced him up 8500 Like, he's $300 less than Saquon. So, do you like those 6K guys a lot? I do. And I actually like um, Devin Singletary quite a bit in this matchup. We'll talk about him in a minute. But he's still buried in price. DraftKings 5700 It's actually $100 cheaper than he was last week and had a pretty good stat line. He's been playing a ton of snaps, getting the ball a ton. So, I like him especially for a salary saving option in cash. Um, and again, you know, I think more weeks than not, I'm willing to just chase team total. If the Bills put up 30, 35, 40 points in this game, you're going to want two, three Bills, maybe four Bills in your lineup. So, you know, you can talk yourself into Devin Singletary for sure. So I like those guys. And yeah, I love Ramondre this week. Um, the Vikings specifically, we'll talk about it again when we do the game preview, are giving it up to pass catching backs. Ramondre can give you... 40 to 50 yards on the ground. It doesn't really matter. He's catching like five, six balls a game, which in DraftKings matters a ton. When we get to those other games, we'll talk about how to deal with the Lions and how to deal, you know, with their situation. Like, do you even take a dart throw? And then the same thing with the Cowboys. Like, last week, if you had had Zeke and Pollard in a lineup that could have looked really good, I hope people don't chase that again because two running backs in the same game is tough. But Dallas does... They run the ball way more than I want them to. For a high-powered offense that scores, it kind of kind of gets filtered out. And last week, if you played C.D. Lamb and Cash, you played Dalton Schultz, you were left holding the back because there was no yards to go around. It was just the running backs, and they were milking the clock up a ton. So, yeah, I like Ramondre a lot. I think he's, if I'm playing Cash, he's pretty close to a lock knowing his workload. At wide receiver... Stephon Diggs is probably our top points per dollar wide receiver on DraftKings. It's really not hard. You don't have to overthink it. But outside of him, paying up for Justin Jefferson at home is something I always want to do, and I always want to fade tough matchups. But I'm terrified of Kirk Cousins this week. When we talk about that game, like I'm terrified of what I saw this past week, and I think he's going to see the same thing because the Patriots are number one in pressure rate. Yeah, in the last month anyway, they are. They're right behind Dallas on the season. And number two, uh, Bill Belichick is going to ruin Kirk Cousins Thanksgiving. Uh, it is going to be terrible. <laughs> and I'm I'm very scared for all the Vikings weapons, which we'll talk about again, the game in more detail. But just from cash, you know, if you're spending up for Justin Jefferson, you are sacrificing probably to pay for Diggs, which to me, you get $200 discount on Diggs. 
Um, you have to pay up on FanDuel. That's a, a conversation for sure. But I think just considering, you know, in a vacuum, give me digs every time over Justin Jefferson in this spot. That said, on a small game slate for tournaments, like if the field is going to be afraid to play Justin Jefferson, he's the archetype I want to take shots on if he is going to be a contrarian play because we've seen it. You know, we see him in a, a quote unquote tough matchup and he goes for 150 and two and you're like, oh man, I, I should have seen that coming. So I'll have exposure in tournaments. It's not ideal. So for me in cash, it is Steph Diggs if you're paying up for wide receiver. This is actually a pretty good slate for wide receivers because you remember last year where Lamb and Cooper were out and we basically just had Diggs and a bunch of dudes that you could play. This year, it's like Jefferson and Diggs at the top along with Lamb and Amon Ra. In this middle tier, like you can go Gabe Davis in tournaments, especially on FanDuel. Jacoby Myers, people are going to be playing him in cash at 5,100. And then you go a little lower and you have some dart throws that I think have upside, like Khalif Raymond, I guess Michael Gallup, because I've chased that for a little bit, hoping that's there. Um, I mean, there's just some guys that I think could do some work uh, outside of that. But any other interesting names you want to bring up at wide receiver? Yeah, I'll just throw out for cash. Richie James looks like a nice salary saving option. He's 3400 on DraftKings. My early lean right now is like if I'm playing cash, he's in to get to allow me to get up to Diggs and Allen and those kind of guys. But in tournaments like early just feels like an easy fade i mean this is kind of the classic cheap wide receiver you just plug and play and hope good things happen um you know the giants wide receiver room is a mess they obviously just lost wandale to an acl injury joined sterling shepherd on ir colin johnson their uh you know other perimeter wide receivers on ir kenny galladay has done nothing all year so it's the story is just the same every week is that the giants have no playmakers at wide receiver daniel bellinger is likely still out with the eye injury so richie james is going to play a ton of snaps in the two games that he was out there for like 70 plus percent early in the year, his stat lines were basically identical, you know, five for around 50 yards. So you kind of know what you're getting, but in cash on this slate, you know, if you get 10 DraftKings points, like you're going to be extremely happy with Richie James in your lineup. Again, feels like an easy fade in tournaments, but in cash, I like him a lot. Yeah. He he's the easy replacement for Wandale, literally like copy and paste, same skill set, same size. Isaiah Hodgins is interesting. He ran the second most routes behind Wandale, so at least you're getting somebody that is the stone men at 3K on DraftKings if you want to go that route. Just another name I want you to add. And then, yeah, Darius Slayton has been good. He's been really good. I looked up his yards per route run, 2.21. That's the exact same as T. Higgins. So you're getting diet T. Higgins. Is that what you want? <laughs> That's a great way to describe him. I've never heard that. And um, that feels like an insult to Z Higgins because Higgins is one of the best wide receivers in football, in my opinion. But yeah, he's been getting a ton of work, a ton of volume. Um, again, the matchup is brutal. So for me and Cash, I don't think so. For Slayton, there's just so much systemic risk in the Giants in this spot. To me, that in Cash, I want max two Giants. Like if you're playing Saquon, I'm not playing, um, you know, Richie James and. Slayton in the same lineup. That just feels terrifying. But again, for tournaments, keep him in your pool. I think his price tag is pretty good. Well, the reason why you don't want to play those guys is because your boy Lawrence Cager, tight end for the Giants. But wide receiver on FanDuel is uh, is super cheap, 2700 Is he really listed as a wide receiver on FanDuel? Yeah, he was a college wide receiver, University of Georgia. So yeah, you're, you're not going to play him. I, I don't think you'd play him on FanDuel because he can't really compete. But as a punt tight end, he ran 34 routes this past week. He's kind of the Bellinger replacement ahead of your other boys, Chris Myrick and Tanner Hudson, the bros. Uh, Great. So I think for me, if I'm playing cash, 
I'm going to either punt with Cager or I'm probably going to play Dalton Schultz, who's really not that expensive. Like I was kind of shocked to see that they actually lowered his price. He's 3,800 on DraftKings. Yeah, we, I mean, people were jamming him in on the main slate at, what was it, 4,300 just a couple of days ago. And so now we're getting a nice discount. Um, yeah, the Cowboys have the second highest team total on the slate. You know, they're at home. We think Dak can be efficient. It'll be limited attempts, but I think he'll be efficient. So I don't mind Dalton Schultz at all, whether it's in tournaments or in cash. Um, I also throw out, too, like Dawson Knox at 3,500. He's coming off his best game of the year. We know he has a role around the goal line. You're sensing a theme. A theme. I'm literally saying every Bills player, but 31 point total. I think you want some Bills in cash this week. And if you're not paying up for Diggs or Singletary, and you want to just throw in Dawson Knox as your guy, whether it's in tournaments or cash, 3500 on DraftKings is is super cheap. Um, the Lions, great matchup. Fourth highest catch rate to tight end, sixth highest yards per catch, and they've allowed tied for first in the league the most receiving touchdowns to the position. So Dawson Knox for me is in my player pool. All right, at defense, I have two options in front of me. I think the Cowboys, not only are the far away the best, but even points per dollar, like they're not that expensive considering what they can do on this slate as a huge home favorite against Daniel Jones. So um, they rank number one in adjusted sack rate. And Daniel Jones, your boy, is being pressured on 44% of his dropbacks. That's second highest in the league behind only Justin Fields. So paying up for Dallas, I think, is not a big deal. And then... You really like the Patriots, and I do too, because we saw Kirk Cousins under pressure, but even though the Patriots are on the road, they're set up really well. Yeah, and you know, on a short week, like it's tough for teams to change the way they game plan. I don't know what they were doing with the Cowboys' pass rush. Like they just were still allowing Kirk Cousins to drop back seven, you know, seven step drops, and he was just getting destroyed all game long. It's hard to change on a short week, and now you have the Patriots coming in, who over the last month are actually better than the Cowboys in pressure rate. And oh, by the way, left tackle Christian Darisol is out. He is PFF's uh, 12th best, 12th highest pass-blocking offensive lineman. He's allowed just three quarterback hits all season. So he is out. New England is in. Bill Belichick knows how to create pressure on, on Kirk Cousins. And what's crazy is like the Patriots, they only blitz at the 13th highest rate. So they don't have to send six, seven guys to get pressure. They can send four or five and drop back. That sounds like a disaster for Kirk Cousins. All right. Before we get into these games, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was... A kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
All right, bets. Let's figure out how we want to stack these games. Stack attack. First game at 1230 Eastern, which my West Coast bros out there, you know, the ballers, they're 1030, a 1030 game on Thanksgiving. That doesn't sound very fun. I think it sounds great. What are you talking about? I know. I know I'm going to be eating at 1230. Are you going to be eating Thanksgiving meal at 1030 in the morning, though? No, we eat at 1230. So as, as soon as you sit down and you take your first bite of turkey, you just know, Kyle, in your head, uh, Betts is doing the exact same thing as me. The coin flip is actually how you guys like start. Like That's how you know that people are actually gonna ready to eat. Yep, that's the official start of the slate, official start of the Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> that would be the most American thing ever if people from like other countries come to your house and they, they see like, oh, why, why is that the thing that dictates it? And you're like, well, it's because the Lions are playing. That's why. At home, what could go wrong? <laughs> what a tradition. Buffalo Bills at the Detroit Lions. This game is a 53 total, and the Bills are nine-point road favorites. These defenses, we knew the Lions were bad, and we've been picking on them all year, but the Bills are quietly been a team that we can throw on over and over and over again. Last week, you saw it from your boy, Jacoby Brissett, and I think that there's multiple paths for players on the Lions' side to succeed. So talk to me about this game flow and why you and I are kind of excited about Lions, who I've been trashing the whole year. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, the thing about the Lions is they've been somewhat predictable in terms of when they are able to be profitable in DFS. You know, Amon Ross is a guy that you can play every single week because of the projected volume that he'll see. But when you talk about the ancillary pieces, you just have to ask yourself, like, will Jared Goff be throwing a lot? And when he throws a lot, it's in losses. The Bills are nine-point favorites. I assume they'll take care of business. And it's at home. This game is being played in Detroit. So in the, the games that he plays at home, uh, he's averaging just under, or just over, excuse me, 260 yards and 2.6 passing touchdowns per game. That brings into other guys beyond Amon Ra, whereas on a normal slate, if they're on the road as nine-point dogs, like it's really tough to, to talk yourself into ancillary pieces from Detroit. On a three-game slate, knowing they're at home, Knowing the Bills have been struggling mightily against the pass and the run, actually, they've been really just giving it up to everyone. You could talk yourself into Jared Goff stacks and GPPs. He's cheap as well. 5,200, you can do a lot of things with your lineup. So I actually like it. And the thing that I like about Jared Goff in this spot is that, like Kirk Cousins, he's been a guy that struggles under pressure. The offensive line for the Lions has been great. And the Bills quietly... 19th in the league in pressure rate over the last four weeks. They're not really getting after the pass the way they have been able to in the past. I think Jerry Goff can just compile his way there just based off garbage time and stat line alone. You know, he can come out and throw 35 times and get you 260, 270 yards, three touchdowns, and now we're talking to GPP. So I like the pass catchers for Detroit. I mean, you look at the slate context and you just kind of whittle down. There's only six options at quarterback, right? You and I are going to be pretty low on Mac Jones for a good reason. I'm not playing Mac Jones, just straight up. <laughs> I'm not going to play him at all. You don't even want to mention his name again for his family? I mean, we can talk about it later, but I have five quarterbacks in my pool this week. <laughs> I think you and I are lower on Daniel Jones. I think Kirk Cousins isn't, isn't really somebody that we're jazzed about either. So it kind of comes down to Dak, Josh Allen, Jared Goff. And then you have to ask yourself at 5,200, I don't even need him at that price point to be the quarterback one. I just need there to be close enough distance between him and Josh Allen or Dak Prescott that let's say Jared Goff gets you 24 points. You would be ecstatic about that. And Josh Allen scores 28. 
like you you already set yourself up really well if you have the right stacking pieces. So I like him a lot. Is it going to be really simple though if people are stacking that side? They're playing golf and a Monra and then bringing it back with like a Diggs or a Singletary. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the decision point because I I don't really want to get off the board too much with Jared Goff stacks. To me, if you're playing golf, you're playing Amon Ra. Um, the volume's just been so secure, averaging basically ten targets a game. You know what you're getting on PPR sites like DraftKings. That matters a ton. We've also seen Buffalo give up huge games, right? Amari Cooper, 133 and two. Donovan People Jones last week, 61 and one. Justin Jefferson two weeks ago, 193. You know, so they're giving up big games. So I think Amon Ra is in, and then. The thing about the wide receiver two or the second stacking partner, if you did want to double stack, is I see zero ceiling with the tight end. So like, it's a, t- a touchdown or bust for Brock Wright. So for me, what I'm super interested in is what happens with these other guys. Like Jamison Williams is practicing this week. I'd just be really surprised if he's out there in a full snap count. Um, DJ Chark was back last week, who you have a ton of in best ball. Hopefully that works out for you. Um, he's back last week. He played just 11 snaps. So I think we'll see more of him. He's a large field dart throw. And then Josh Reynolds has been out for like a month with a back injury. So we don't really know which of those guys is going to be available yet. So that's a, a huge point. If Jamison Williams does not play, if Josh Reynolds is out, the stacks actually become really clean. You're either stacking with Amon Ra and Khalif or you're stacking with um, DJ Chark and Amon Ra. And to me, if you're playing multiple lineups, I think you just play a couple of each of those. Hope good things happen. Yeah, no, I, I like Raymond a lot. He's more involved. I used to think he was just like a deep threat. But he's more involved in different facets of the game. They design plays for him. So, yeah, I'm interested, especially if this if the field thinks that Buffalo is still lead against wide receivers and they see the season-long numbers, you and I know that over the last month it's been a different story. The running backs, I, I, I don't know, Dan. I, I couldn't tell you what you're going to do. I don't even know if you know what you're going to do, Dan, from play to play or drive to drive because Jay Willie, our boy, Jamal Williams, is getting those you know, goal line carries DeAndre Swift gets really weird usage. And then Justin Jackson was getting a ton of run last week. Are you touching these running backs at all? I mean, I think you have to have Jamal Williams in your player pool, just in the chance that he falls in the end zone twice, which we just saw him fall in the end zone three times last year. The thing is, is, you know, he leads the the league as far as running backs from a percentage of their fantasy points that come from touchdowns. So if he's not scoring a touchdown, he's going to ruin your day. If he does score a touchdown, it's great for GPPs. I don't think he can go there and cash, but again, because of the fact that you know every single time they get in the 10, Swift is out, Jamal Williams is in, that's how they're using those guys. Any goal, uh, you know, running back that has that goal line ability that we know he's going to get volume there, he has to be in your player pool. That said, I'm not super excited about it. If I'm playing, you know, just throwing a number out. If I'm playing 10 lineups, like for me, he'd be in one or two of them. The most frustrating part about this team, and the and the thing that the only thing that scares me about Goff stacks, beyond just his name being Jared Goff, is that they utilize their running backs inside the 10. Like, even though Jay Willie is leading all running backs in touches inside the 10, 35% of Swift's touches are still inside the 10. So once they get in close, they're either, they're using both running backs. To me, I wish that I could say this is the week Swift gets 15 touches, 12 touches, but you just can't, you just can't predict that. So I'm out on that. I'm more interested in Singletary on the other side because even though we saw James Cook finally have some involvement, mostly milking the clock, Naeem Hines is not involved at all. And Singletary is still seeing 70-plus percent of the snaps despite the fact they acquired Hines at the trade deadline. So I think Singletary is probably going to end up, I don't know, RB6, RB7 in roster percentage 
and they're nine point favorites. Like you should have him in your player pool in cash. And I think in tournaments, if you're not stacking Allen, he's a he's in a great spot. Yeah, and I actually think you can play him with Josh Allen, which not because they pass to each like he doesn't pass to Devin Singletary that much. He'll get two or three targets, but it's mostly because what you're saying is. You know, Vikings and uh, Patriots fail. The Cowboys are fine, but not incredible. The Giants fail. And then all of a sudden, you have access to every touchdown from the Bills. And if they score 40, that is going to get it done. So I have uh, interest in both those guys together. But again, like you said, if you're not playing Josh Allen's tax, I love Devin Singletary. To me, though, one thing I'll point out is in the blowouts for the Bills, his snap count comes down pretty far at about 57%. In close games that are decided by 10 or less points, he's all the way up at 77%. So if you're playing him, you should be telling yourself, this is likely because the game stays close. And so for me, I'm going to set a roll in my lineups where if I play Devin Singletary, I have a line on the other side. For the Bills pass catchers, if Allen's going to be the most popular quarterback on the slate, are you trying to get different? Like I, I tried to stare at Khalil Shakir. I tried to stare at Isaiah McKenzie who goosed me for my dynasty team. What a turd. Um, and it's it's really simple. Like, I'm only looking at digs. I think that Gabe Davis and Allen correlate really well. And you can do that when Gabe Davis has a big game, Allen's having a big game, vice versa. And then you can throw a Knox, but I'm not trying to get cute here with these ancillary pieces. Yeah, and I'm going to play mostly like, you know, a thousand... GP, thousand person GPPs or less, so a smaller field. <laughs> so for me, a thousand dollars. I'm gonna I'm gonna play in those smaller I fields. You're gonna say so a thousand me, lineups. <laughs> no, no, I'm not that much of a sicko, Kyle. I do like my family. Um, I'm gonna limit my exposure to these Bills guys. I, I'm, Isaiah McKenzie's fine. He's not even really a full time slot player though. Like he's still rotating with Khalil Shakir and other guys. So like it's mostly just a complete dart throw at the other positions. To me, it's simple. I'm playing some Steph Diggs. I'm playing some Gabe Davis. And I'm going to play Dawson Knox as my stacking partners with Josh Allen and kind of move on from there. I do think one thing, though, that is kind of uh, interesting, and you and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording, is like, you know, in Diggs' biggest games, Josh Allen isn't actually going off the way we think he is. Like, they're not correlating as much. So I'm not sure if that's a small sample size or what that is, but it is worth noting. And last year, when I had my best week in DFS of all time, it was Josh Allen leverage off Diggs with Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox. And I think that's really interesting on the slate. No, you remember Diggs and Allen last year, I brought this up. They had slight negative correlation together where it, it just, it's just the way that it's working out. So Allen, when he runs the ball in two, you're, you're losing a touchdown there. But with Gabe Davis, you're getting these huge dot targets that end up being long touchdowns that clearly count for both. So I will be playing Allen and Gabe Davis, and I'll probably play Gabe Davis a little bit more than the field, but Diggs just projects so well with Jeff Okuda out and the way that they throw the ball, the way that Detroit is allowing the highest explosive pass rate over the last month. It's it's just not complicated to think about that, but give me your Vegas pick. This feels contrarian. I'm actually going to take the points with the Lions at home, which Jared Goff plays better there. And quietly, like, I think the elbow for Josh Allen is still a little bit of an issue. He's clearly playing through it and playing well enough, but I think it's enough for me to say I'll take the the nine with Detroit. I will do the same thing, and I wouldn't mind if you wanted to get even, like, clear if you don't like the points or you think that... I think that the Lions over their team implied total is a sneaky good value, too, at 22. I love it. If you want to go there. All right, next game is your Cowboys, America's team, 
at home against New York Giants. Dallas is nine-point favorites, but the over-under is just at 45. That puts the New York Giants, their team implied total is at 17.8. They were exposed this past week, and we got to see Danny Dimes, your boy, throw the ball 44 times. It didn't end well. I'll just say that. It was good for a fantasy day, but it didn't end well for the Giants against the lowly Lions. So is there reason to feel like the Giants can put up enough to compete here? Or is this just, we saw the Cowboys put up 40 last week and they should roll again at home? Yeah, that stat line felt very uh, Blake Bortles-esque last week. Just a ton of attempts and low efficiency, but got there on volume. And so, yeah, you could tell yourself a story where that happens again. But you know, Wanda Robinson was a huge part of that last week, and he's gone. We talked about the wide receiver issues just in general, and this Dallas defensive front is the best in the game, com- you know, combined with an above average to good secondary. So it's really concerning for Daniel Jones. Just a lot of systemic risks with the Giants this week. If you're playing Daniel Jones, though, what you're telling yourself is he helps get there from rushing volume and a rushing score. He needs that to pay off in GPPs. That said, he's 5,500. He's pretty cheap on drafting, so he can do that. It's just that when you look at you know what this team wants to do in a neutral situation they play slow they run the ball a ton you know prior to last week's explosion he was averaging 177 pass yards per game so you can't double stack him because there's not enough volume there it's a big ask that said i will have a little exposure to daniel jones maybe as like my qb5 qb4 in overall exposure just from the rushing value but man this giants team i feel like like you said kind of got exposed last week their defense, too, has kind of been the thing that's been bailing them out. But all year, they've kind of been a bend, don't break. And Rich Rebar put out this stat, but the Giants are 32nd in yards per play allowed on first down. And then the way that the Cowboys want to play is slowing the game down. So I do have some worries in this game that if you're trying to stack it up, it could just fail. It ends up being a 17 to, I don't know, 24 game and you kind of look around and you're like, okay, well, I got there maybe with one piece. Maybe Dalton Schultz got in the end zone. Uh, maybe Saquon was fine. But I feel like the ceiling of this game feels capped, and I just don't see a back-and-forth affair. Do you project it to go under? I do, actually. And Giants games are 7-3 and three to the under this year. And what's really scary about the under being in play here is just, as we saw last week, if the Cowboys can get out to a big lead, they are very willing to take their foot off the gas and just hand the ball off to Zeke for 3.4 yards per carry or whatever. And Tony Pollard, which, you know, against this Giants defense can be effective. And so you can see the clock just ticking uh, pretty quickly. Their pass rate, like I said, in neutral situations, 52% with Dak Prescott under center is not that high. So they are already a very balanced offense. Then it drops to about 40% when they're playing with the lead. So yeah, you could really see, like you said, that low scoring game and a couple pieces getting there, but this one, not able to produce the fireworks that we need to win GPPs. The other problem I think you will run into this game is what Dallas did last week and looking at these running backs where clearly Pollard is the way more explosive player. Everybody and their mama knows that. And on DraftKings, he's cheap. Like I I would say 6.6 is pretty low for his upside. But how many, I mean, are we going to get two? We saw two Zeke goal line touchdowns this past week. Is it just going to be them cannibalizing each other like we've seen in the past? Because if that happens, you're running into a game where it goes under. Neither of them really helps you get there. And Saquon would then feel like the piece I would want. Yeah, no, I could see that scenario for sure. Especially when you consider 
that one of Tony Pollard's touchdowns was that incredible wheel route that he took to the house for a huge bomb. If that doesn't happen, his stat line is still good. It's just not elite like it was last week. And yeah, Zeke Elliott comes in at the five-yard line or the one-yard line and falls in the end zone twice. Um, incredibly inefficient. Zeke is one of the most touchdown-dependent players on this slate. And so for me, I'll have a pretty hard fade on him and just hope that he doesn't fall in the end zone. I think Tony Pollard is okay to take a shot on you know, like you said, for that kind of upside and explosiveness that he has, especially on DraftKings, I like his price. On FanDuel at 8,500, that is a lot to ask for a player who is going to be in a committee with Zeke. Um, and we have concerns about the game environment. So for me on FanDuel, I'm going to be underweight the field on Tony Pollard. I'll be probably around the field on DraftKings. So if you're stacking the Cowboys side, I threw out this question and I was going to throw it out in our Discord channel. Like, what percentage chance do you give Dak to outscore Josh Allen? And What's funny is I had that same exact question last year because those two quarterbacks were on the Thanksgiving slate. And that's kind of what you had to do. That The Allen game was at night. So you were kind of like waiting to see what would happen with Dak. And I I feel like his percentage chances is lower than I want it to be because of the game environment. I don't know. I put it at like 20%. Maybe 25, maybe 30. Okay. But yes, but yes, I'm with you. Like, Again, the the team is just not what they were last year. Like with um, Kellen Moore, we were all excited about their pass rate and pace and all those things. It's just not the same team, and they're winning, so they're not going to change it. And like we said, we just have real concerns about the Giants here. So I'll have exposure to Dak, don't get me wrong. I just think it's a big ask compared to last year, and especially considering the weapons are not the same. Like last year, there was Amari Cooper, who's one of the best wide receivers in the game from a route running standpoint. Now you've got guys like Michael Gallup, who's probably still not truly 100% off the ACL, uh, along with CeeDee Lamb. So it's just a different scenario. So yes, I think Dak Prescott, it's a tall ask for him to beat Allen on the slate. And I'll also throw out my boy Cedric Wilson, who I know he's not a thing anymore really with the Dolphins, but he was their guy on third down. Like they, He was definitely like usable and had some usable fantasy weeks. So yes, it's a different team. I think you're going to run into roster percentage problems with CeeDee Lamb. He's always going to be popular. He's going to project well. Um, Dalton Dalton Schultz, same thing. So I like the Cowboys side. I just feel like stacking it is not something that I think is going to pay off. So what I'll do is I'll probably find one piece on the Cowboys side, one piece on the Giants side, and kind of get out of this game. And then obviously look at the Cowboys defense. So kind yeah, of, that kind sounds of, great to me. Yeah, correlation piece. And I... Apart from Saquon, like I'm probably looking at the cheap pieces, the Lawrence Cagers, the Richie James, like those are the cash style plays. And then if you pick the right Cowboys player, then I think you will hit it on the nail. So give me your Vegas pick. So I, I took the points last game. I'm going to lay it with Dallas here. I have concerns about the Giants in this spot. I'll take the under. It's at 44 and a half. It's moved, moved down lower than it was before. So I'll take the under. Give me Cowboys money line, man. I'll take it, okay? Parlay it with the Bills money line? Now we're talking. <laughs> All right, last one here. We're going to talk about New England Patriots at the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota is a two-and-a-half-point home favorite, and the over-under is now at 42. That's not good. I looked this up, but there have been 112 games this year, Bets. I went through all of them, just all their game long. You watched everyone? Yeah, watched the tape. I just, you know, put I put my hand in the dirt while I while I grind the tape with your cleats on. Yes. While also looking at a spreadsheet. But basically, in games 42 or lower, the under is hit almost 60% of the time. That's pretty significant. So, this is a game that 
I would be shocked if like this is the game you needed, like stacking wise. But I think the correlation piece is what we care about. Um, if you want to get really crazy and go over the field, I think Mac Jones, nobody's going to play him. But I can't imagine double stacking Mac Jones because he hasn't even had a multi-touchdown game yet this year. So that's your uh, like your David Blau, your um, Tim Boyle pick of the year, right? Yeah, it feels like there's always one on this three-game slate, which is so fun. But actually, this year, it's a starting quarterback. <laughs> Those guys are backups. But Mac Jones, like you said, has yet to throw two, two touchdown passes this season. In theory, the Vikings are a pass-funnel defense. But the Patriots play slow. Their games hit the under. Um, you know They're going to be able to, I think, slow down the game by controlling the ball. This game, to me, just screams so ugly. Like you said, the 42 total, it's already been bet down a half point. To start the week, I could see this closing at 41 and a half or 41. So it really is trending in a bad direction, in my opinion, with the money coming in on the Patriots, because it was minus three yesterday. It's now minus two and a half for the Vikings. So, you know, if you want to just take the game theory approach and say, no one's playing Mac Jones to so let me, that's fine. For me personally, if Mac Jones beats me on the slate, he beats me on the slate. I hope he destroys you. I hope Mac Jones comes to your house. <laughs> Ruins my Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I hope you put on 15 pounds and Mac Jones comes to your house and just says, ha ha, look at you bets with your twins. Um, here's the deal. He's not supplying anyone outside of Jacoby Myers. Like I tried to search through and say, okay, is it Nelson Aguilar? Is it Kendrick Bourne? Is it Devontae Parker? Is it Tyquan Thornton? One of those guys might catch a touchdown. Let's be honest. Like that's probably what is going to happen because we're making fun of Mac Jones, or at least you are. Um, I'm respecting. I mean, he'll throw mind. one. He'll throw one. I just don't know who it's going to. Um, I will say Jacoby Myers just projects so well. Like five K range, he hangs out there. That's where he lives, and then he plays against your boy Chandon Sullivan, who you and I have just picked on the entire year. I know Aaron Larson has done that in the wide receiver cornerback matchup article. He's allowing the most slot receptions, receiving yards, and yak in the NFL. So Jacoby Myers in cash or Jacoby Myers in a GPP, if you want to correlate with somebody else, like it's pretty easy to project that. So outside of Ramondre and Jacoby Myers, is there anybody else with a pulse on this team? Not really, truly. I mean, again, on a main slate, we wouldn't even consider talking about them beyond this. A three-game slate, like, if you want to take your shot, go ahead and take your shot. It's really tough. You know, the tight ends are kind of splitting. Um, Nelson Aguilar hasn't done anything. But this secondary for the Vikings is one that we pick on all year. So would it be surprising to see Nelson Aguilar pop up for a random touchdown or Tyquan Thornton for a random touchdown? Not really. It's just that you can't project it, and so there's not much that we can really come on here and say positively. If you want to take a shot, though, in a tournament, by all means, go for it. Yeah, the Vikings are allowing the highest explosive pass rate in the league. So... A deep bomb touchdown, but I it's like I could see that happen with Kendrick Bourne. I could see that happen with Nelson Aguilar. I could see that happen with Tyquan Thornton. Like all three of those guys could have something like that. And then you mentioned the tight ends. I look this up. These two dudes, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, they're getting paid $23 million combined. They have one touchdown on the year, and their highest fantasy game was just over seven and a half fantasy points. That yep. what are they doing? <laughs> Uh, that free agency period will be always be one of the weirdest in recent memory. Like sp- spending 
an obscene amount of money on Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, and John Smith within hours of each other. Like they were like, these are the dudes we need. And they're fine. You know, they're fine for what the Patriots want. But yeah, for fantasy and for DFS, to me, touchdown or bust. The Patriots are so like astute and shrewd about their own guys. Like, especially their their guys in the secondary, like JC Jackson, like, hey, go somewhere else, get paid a ton of money, and be terrible. Malcolm Butler, leave here. They won't resign their own guys, but they'll basically say, Hey, let's throw a bunch of money recently. That's the I guess that's what Uncle Bill's doing these days. But all right, let's not talk about the Patriots anymore. The Vikings side. Are you excited to play anybody? I mean, obviously we no. love we love Jefferson and we say he's <laughs> matchup proof, but like do you want to play Vikings? Can you can you not play anybody on the Vikings side in this game? I think it's possible. I'll probably have exposure to Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, given the archetype that they are and the ceiling that they have relative to the slate. Like if Saquon fails and let's say Jamal Williams doesn't fall in the end zone and Zeke doesn't get in the end zone, Dalvin Cook can be the RB1 with 80 yards from scrimmage and a couple of receptions. Like he can still get there. So I think you have to have exposure to him. I think you have to have exposure to Justin Jefferson because he's so good. But this spot is incredibly tough for Kirk Cousins. We're going to talk about him from a prop perspective in a minute. But we talked about the left tackle being out, the pressure rate from New England, Kirk Cousins in primetime, whatever narrative you want to go with. It's just, it, it looks bad for Kirk Cousins right now. So for me, again, not a lot of exposure to Kirk Cousins stacks. I'll probably just have a one-off play of, of Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, or even TJ Hawkinson. 24% target share since the trade is really good. Five plus catches in every game. Um, and New England is tied for the most receiving touchdowns allowed on the season. So I kind of like Hawkinson as a spin up to be contrarian type of play. Um, at tight end but again for me i'll probably set a lineup rule of max one of the vikings i like hawkinson as a gpp play i think schultz projects as the clear cash play and then in the same game i think you're going to get leverage with hawkinson he had a 32 percent target share this past week that was tied for the highest among all tight ends so i'll probably be a little overweight compared to the field and when i'm in those three max or the single entry like i think he's a type of play that a lot of people won't have in tournaments. So I like Hawkinson. It's really hard to say something nice about Adam Thielen at this point in his career. Like he looks dusted. You might get six to seven targets, which is what he had before this past week in every single game. And then, you know, not get anything else. Like he hasn't, he hasn't hit above 75 receiving yards. So you're not going to get the bonus. And at 4,900, other than him being a a price point pivot on like Darius Slayton. I just, I can't say anything good about him or KJ Osborne, like who's been terrible on a per target basis too. So it's J jets or nothing for me. Uh, in yeah. Cash. Thielen is basically a tight end. Like he's, he's the guys that don't get yards and they have to score a touchdown. Like that's, that's what he is at this point, which is really kind of a bummer. Cause he was such a fun player for the last four or five years, but yeah, I'm with you. I'll have minimal exposure to Thielen. To me, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, move on. If Adam Thielen was bulked up like a little bit more, let's say he put on like 40 pounds, which let's be honest, he could after Thanksgiving. Like he could be a Jack Doyle where he just turns around, falls down, <laughs> and he gets way more usage. And we would be saying, Adam Thielen seeing seven targets a game. Like I would be like, sweet, I'm playing him every week in DFS. Yeah, <laughs> it's all relative, right? <laughs> he just needs to get fat. That is that is part of the strategy for DFS. If you get fat and you become a tight end, you're, you, that's what Lawrence Cager did. He just bulked up a little bit and became became a tight end. 
<laughs> I will say real quick too before we move on from this game and wrap up. Um, I like the Vikings D. We just talked about how bad the spot is for Kirk Cousins. Price point pivot, especially on DraftKings, when you look at pricing. We have the uh, Patriots at three K, and then the Vikings just there one hundred dollars more, thirty one hundred. I think the Patriots are probably going to be the most rostered defense on the slate. If you want to just flip it and say I'll spend a hundred bucks more and take a defense going up against Mac Jones, who's taken sixteen sacks in the last three weeks, and probably without David Andrews, their left guard Isaiah Wynn is also questionable. That to me makes a ton of sense. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. Give me your Vegas pick. I'm gonna take the Patriots on the money line. Money line, Kyle. It was at three, right? It was. It's two and a half now. Okay. Ah, oh, man. I it's close. I could see the Vikings like I could see Mac Jones just being super bad. And at the end of the day, this game ends up being twenty to fourteen or something. Like just something really rough. And the Vikings grind it out because that's what they do in one score games. So last week wasn't a one score game. That's why they didn't play well. They didn't know what to do. They, they, they're like team meetings. Like O'Connell's like, I have nothing for this. Okay. If, they, if things go wrong, <laughs> we can't do anything. Okay. Well, what's funny is after the game, did you hear, I don't know if you saw the interview. He actually was talking about how they need to establish the run more. So what could go wrong? <sighs> Terrible. I did run a couple of optimals in our optimizer. And just to give you guys some some context, Josh Allen's probably going to be the quarterback that shows up the most because of points per dollar. Like he's only 8K on this slate. We've had Josh Allen 8,500 or more on DraftKings. So uh, Josh Allen, Ramondre Stevenson, Saquon Barkley, I think are going to show up a ton. Um, and then at wide receiver, I'm seeing a lot of uh, Jacoby Myers at 5.1. I'm seeing CeeDee Lamb. And then... I think it's another week in cash where you might see people with two tight ends, Dawson Knox and Dalton Schultz. Like it's a it's a week where based on the slate context, there's enough wide receivers to go around. There's not enough price, there's not enough salary to go around when you start adding in Allen, Diggs, Saquon to really get fit in somebody else like a Amon Ra. So I think two tight ends are gonna show up a lot. Don't think you're gonna be sneaky on Thanksgiving slate doing two tight ends like you and I threw out the rules. So we will be posting our picks and you guys will get to see that. But let's do one last segment here. Prop it like it's hot. Dude, you've been on a bit of a hot streak. I've gotten to add in mine as well. But our props article has been pretty hot over the last month or so. And this past week, what? We went eight and three? Eight and three. Yeah. And over the last uh, month, we've been at about 66%, which if you're familiar with sports betting is insane. So regression will hit us soon. Hopefully it's not this week, but yeah, man, it's been fun. I've been loving it. I mean, props are kind of my thing and I've been really diving into these matchups in more detail. And I think we have some winners on the show today. Yeah. And I, I'm feeling a little bit of the pain since I'm back on the East coast in Georgia and uh, North Carolina visiting relatives that, uh, yeah, my DraftKings Sportsbook isn't open right now. I won't be able to place that, but there's some great ones on prize picks, underdog, uh, different places. So hit me with a prop you like. Yeah, we just talked about the matchup. I'm going to take the under on 250 and a half passing yards for Kirk Cousins. It's just that the pressure is a real concern. His splits this year, when he's been in a clean pocket, completing 74% of his passes, which is elite, 96.7 pass rating. When he's under pressure, 43% completion rate, 66 passer rating. I will take the under 
in prime time, 250 and a half for uh, Kirk Cousins. I will take the over from Dalton Schultz. His line is at 35 and a half. He didn't hit it this past week simply because they were destroying Kirk Cousins in his soul. So 35 and a half. He hit this in three games previously. The Vikings have allowed the ninth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends, including the week before 57 to Dawson Knox. So I think that there's a good chance that he will be able to do much better than that. Bets. Anything that you're really excited about with your family for Thanksgiving? Oh, yes, dude. This every year. So my aunt uh, makes a pumpkin roll for her dessert. And it's once a year. It's only a Thanksgiving. That thing is top of the line. So I'll be working out Thanksgiving morning. I'll be doing a little workout Wednesday night to prep for this. And then to sweat for the DFS. So, man, I'm excited. What about you? Well, other than Megalodon, where I'm in a uh, state of disorientation, just through the middle. You literally aren't going to stand up for 24 hours. You're going to be in a chair for 24 hours straight. Uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some you know some lunges at like two in the morning. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm excited. I'm gonna be playing some pickleball with some friends on Wednesday. Family stuff on Thursday, and probably need to take a fat nap in between that Cowboys game. And uh, but I would say I'm excited for my boys. All they want to do right now is just go outside, and they do want to throw the football. They don't understand. Yes, they don't care at all about who's playing because the Falcons aren't playing. But Right. They just want to play. So my boys are at that age where like you can play football. It's what I did every single thir- or every single Thanksgiving with my family. So I'm pretty pretty excited about that. And we're going to be talking to people later on the week. We will have to completely change our mindset for the main slate. Jason was sending me his lineup during our recording and I go, "Jason, I'm still thinking about Thanksgiving, buddy." All right. I have no idea, by the way. Which teams are on, on the primetime slate and which teams are on the main slate. So I have, my head is not even close to being ready for the main slate. So check back with us on Friday. I have no clue about anything. So please don't ask me any questions until Friday. If you want to play with us, you can go to ballersdfs.com. I will open up a Thanksgiving special that is a contest you won't want to miss. So go to ballersdfs.com, go to our DraftKings League and enter the contest. They're live right now. And there's nothing better than a little Thanksgiving cash that you can just you know flash around to all your family members saying, hey, look what uh, Lawrence Cager did for me this week. Uh, feel good about that, right? Oh, yeah. And you're showing them your crowns that you have in your account. I mean, it's just nothing better. Nothing better. You go, wow, what a great league. Borg and Betts, those sound like, like uh, people give me like financial... law firm. Yeah, financial <laughs> advice or something. <laughs> all right. Oh, man. Betts, sign us off. Yes. Uh, what a slate. I love Thanksgiving. Best slate of the year. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family from us. Seriously, we appreciate the support. We'll be back on Friday, probably tired and fatigued. Let's go win some money on Thursday, though. Have a great holiday. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. 
Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.